Good morning, my name is Jim Barcliff. I'm pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and uh, we're glad you've joined us, chosen to tune in. I pray that God would speak to you and comfort you, give peace if you need healing. He is our healer. He's Jehovah, Jehovah uh, Rapha, and he is our healer. And so we just continue to pray and ask God to do that. Remember Ukraine in prayer that we just prayed for. Also uh, ask for prayer for any of your needs that are out there. There's still some COVID needs, certainly. It hasn't completely gone away. So we pray that God would protect us and guide us into all truth. Amen. 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 All right. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. And Lynette will have it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 1. And we are talking about what no one is talking about, and that's repentance. You know, you, you hear it, and you know, I've been talking about it the last two weeks. I'll go this week and next week because it's a lot uh, in this particular message, and I don't want to, uh, again, go too long on it, which is very unusual for me to say that. We go on right George, George knows that. So, so anyway, I pray that you'll get, you certainly know that God uh, is doing great things in and through his word. Okay, everybody wants to stand and read the word with me? You're welcome to do that or position yourself. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Thank you. Come now. Let us reason together. We've been talking about repentance here. And so the next two Sundays, I want to talk about how did we do that. Here's the thing about it. God wants best for each one of us. And God is doing a work in my life, and I know he does a work in your life also. And that's his business. But something about when we look at how God desires and and obviously proclaims that this work will take place, repentance is vital. Repentance is vital to salvation. You know, when I mentioned the fact that when you came to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, you realized that you were a sinner and that you were in need of a Savior. So right then, you were convicted, and right behind that, that mercy and grace was given, and that mercy and grace was there even to realize that, but that mercy and grace was given, and you realize Jesus was the answer. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit, his revelation to your heart, my heart, is that we're sinners and we're in need of salvation. Uh, this life on this earth is very temporary. I know all of us can agree to that, can't we? Amen. And the years are going by fast. And we never know exactly what tomorrow holds for us because it's uncertain. And so we have a God who's involved in our lives intimately, day in and day out. And so uh, we want to know, what is it that God desires from us? And that is, obviously, not that he's up there looking for us to sort of make a mistake or sin and stumble, and then to hit us with his bat. He actually loves us. And so everything he says is actually to present who he is. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. But he has certain ways of knowing the right way to do that. One of them is to repent. Repentance is changing your mind, 
which in turn, kind of, I say, sifts down to your life to change your life. That you uh, change path, you change direction. You changed your mind in the fact that I thought everything was fine about my life until I was convicted that I was a sinner, that I had sin in my life, and I didn't want it there. So that conviction was there, and right behind it again, God presented and gave his son, Jesus Christ. And by his grace, somehow I said, yes, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. I want to uh, be with you forevermore. And so the whole thing, repentance, changing our mind, which in turn changes our behavior. So as we look at this, we see, how is it that you can repent? Everybody's probably been waiting for that if you have. We've talked a lot about repentance. So how is that? This scripture tells us how we do that. Really good. The first thing is you come. Come, let us reason together. You come to God, right? Obviously, we've got to come to God with the need. If we say, I don't have any needs, I got it all together. My life is peachy clean and peachy, just everything is fine and so forth. Then we don't need God. You know, we say, I'll do it on my own. But we've got to come to God with our needs. And so if we come with soft, tender, repentance hearts, coming, Lord, we, we need you, obviously. We realize that we cannot produce, obviously, all these things that uh, God is requiring on our own. But God is so willing to be there when we say, when we come to him. Isn't that simple? We came to him when we came to salvation. We made a decision somehow by his grace. He drew us because the spirit convicted us and we came to him through that. And so we need God to work uh, that in us by his spirit. Doesn't just happen all of a sudden. I say, well, I'm going to do this and that. God is doing something. Let me just give you an example here. If you're thinking about God more than what you have been thinking about him, and you're thinking about maybe your need of God, that is actually God working in your life. It's not like you all of a sudden said, well, I need God, and therefore I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, or whatever, you know, try to be a better person. It's because God is actually working that in your life. And that's the good thing about it. Yesterday, in the men's breakfast, uh, men stood and told how they had come out of different situations and alcohol and drugs and, you know, all types of lifestyles and so forth and realized that real life was not in that stuff they were doing, that it actually was in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And they confessed, repented, and came and asked. They came. So they came before the Lord in that matter. But it was because the Holy Spirit was working in their lives for them to come to that place of conviction to say, I need God. Now, the good thing about it is, is that when that happens, God doesn't turn away. You know, that is a move of God's Spirit. That is actually work that He does, and He does it so faithfully. And so, when that happens, what do we do? We can obviously walk away from it and resist and go the opposite way. But, but if we're really paying attention, we start listening. And the Bible says if we'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. Isn't that great? Now, you're here today, and you came in. You know, we all kind of made a fuss probably before we got ready, scrambled, got our clothes, you know, got cleaned up and so forth. And here we are today. So, so the issue is you came today. Because God has a purpose for you being here today. 
And it's not just an accident that, hey, you showed over here, up over here off of 3rd Street. You're here because God's got something for you today in this place, okay? Because why? You came. You came. You came into this place, and you don't know what to expect and so forth and, and all, and, the, and, and just what exactly is going to happen and, and all, but you came. You showed up. Isn't it good that that's the way God works? And that's him. I remember working with hospice for all those years, and, and I would go and obviously use them, uh, working with people who were, uh, who were dying and, and uh, again, getting ready to go out into eternity and ministering with families that were under extreme duress because of their loved ones passing away. And I would go up to the door, and I remember every time I'd knock on the door. I didn't know what would happen when they opened the door. I didn't know what type of reaction they would have. I didn't know what type of emotional state they were in or whatever. I had no idea. But I always told the Lord, I said, I'm going to show up. I'm going to come. And do you know what? In 24 years that I did hospital, God never, ever failed me when I came. And I always would just show up because I didn't have the answers. Here I am. I had a... Uh, Seminary degree, I had experience in hospice over a period of time, all this stuff. I couldn't rely on any of that. But what could I rely on? And that was God Almighty. And I came every time. And see, the good thing about it is that's true for all of us here today. So whatever the need is, come, come. That's what the invitation is by our God, by the one who spoke and creation came into existence. The one who knew us before we were in our mother's womb. The wonderful thing. We're not here by accident. God knew us. We were a thought, so to speak, in God's mind in eternity past. He knew when we'd be born. He knew all of my little quirks that I talked about in Sunday school and all and stuff. And my little idiosyncrasies and my weirdness sometimes and all this other stuff. He knew about that. And yet he loved me in spite of that. Isn't that great? You know, I look in the mirror sometimes and I look and I'm going, my, my land, my hair is not quite as brown as it used to be. Okay? It's not as brown. It used to be kind of brown, didn't it? Y'all remember me in that too. And, and yet, I come because God knows that. Because this place we're walking in now today is just a temporary place. And, and actually, you know, it, it, it passing time is passing very, very quickly. But he's prepared a place for you and me. And he wants to be with us forevermore. This is our God. And so when we talk about repentance here, it's not really a bad thing. It's not something that we have to shy away from. God actually wants us to repent, turn, change our mind, turn the opposite way, let him change our lives. It's a work that he does in our hearts and lives because he wants to bless us. He wants to bless. He doesn't want you to carry the burden that you may be carrying this day. You believe that? You are carrying, you may have come in here today, and we all have burdens. The world is putting a lot of stuff on us today. And the last two years have been extremely stressful. Is that he doesn't want us to carry that. He said we were never made to carry this burden. He said, I want to carry that burden for you. You believe it. You have to believe it, see. For that to be working in your heart today. So he says, come together. Come here. He wants to help us with this here. And so that simple thing that he tells us to do is to come to him with the need. In Matthew chapter 11, y'all know the scripture. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So where does a person find peace of mind? How do you find peace? Because people are looking for peace, I want to tell you. It's a predominant thing in our lives that we look for peace here. And that is by coming to God as the only one who can bring that peace. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world does, but I give it to you. The world tries to find peace in external circumstances here. Now, I don't know about you, those are changing even as we speak. The peace Jesus gives is something that springs up from within. It's something experienced when all is right with God and the heart is fully repentant and the person is fully trusting the Lord with everything. That gives us peace, doesn't it? Think about it. Actually, I've been asked to speak down here for Delaney. Wednesday afternoon, and Jim and, and, and Betty have set it up. I've been there once, and they want me to come back again. And I've actually, I pray about it. Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Uh, most of the people are there will be seasoned citizens, okay? So I said, Lord, what is it that you want to say to these seasoned citizens? And actually, what I believe God has given me is, actually, uh, the title is Trusting God Even When Life Hurts. And how do we address that? Trusting God. Because we know that he never changes and he never fails us. He may not do what we want him to do, but he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we think that's the only way that we can have peace. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, Jesus said. It's an invitation. I believe that he, it's one that he's issuing to you and to me today, whatever it may be. And we've all got it. Life is full of issues, aren't it? And, and we do. And so we try so often, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when I get into a tight situation and all, I'll find myself sort of trying to work it out on my own. And before long, I realize I'm so tired of working out, it's not working and blah, blah. And all of a sudden I'll think, well, why didn't I come to God first? Why didn't I pray to him about it first and allow him to work it out? Because he wants to work it out. Now, sometimes, obviously, he has us do certain things, but if we'll take and give it to God, if we'll come to him in prayer, or just coming before him and asking, Lord, I don't know about you again, I've always said my prayers are, Jesus, help me. Help me, right? Isn't that real good? I was thinking the other day, I was saying, Lord, I'm not sure what to pray for, but I said, I know one prayer I can ask, and I know it will be answered. Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. I need help this. So this is what he's saying here in this scripture here. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19, God is saying, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. Did, I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. So when God tells people to seek him, he has good things in mind for you and me. Now here's the thing. You and I are recipients of his word today because you're in this auditorium. And so he has good things in mind for you and me. And no matter what's happened in your past, and I don't know, and I certainly don't minimize those things at all. Don't get me wrong. And we've got, we've got that. I just want to share with you what the word of God says. He's got good things for us. If we look, and you know the old song you've sang in church probably all your life, count your many blessings, name them one by one. If I'll go back and I'll look at what God has done, because we're in a storm, so to speak, and you're in this particular issue, you don't feel like you can get out of 
and all. But if I'll stop and really go back and start counting my blessings that God has, has put in my life and all, it does something to change my whole attitude. It changes me. And God is saying, that's, that's who I want to change. Because the circumstances will change time in and time out. And so here, I want to tell you, if it would just simply come to him, again, verse 19, obviously, a public reclaim bold promises. I didn't whisper uh, obscurities in some dark corner so that no one can know what I mean. I didn't tell Israel to ask me for what I didn't plan to give. So if we are to have a repentant heart, we've got to come to God for that. We can't do it on our own. And come to the one who's willing to work that in my heart. Okay, the second thing is, what's it say? Come now. Now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. He says, come now. Look at it there again. Come now and let us reason together. Everything we get from God, we obviously receive in the now. Now. And our good intentions for the future get us nothing, really. Isn't that true? It's only in the now that we do business with God. You know, sometimes... It eases our conscience when we say, well, I'll get to that later. Okay. You know, God shows us something in our life. Maybe we have to apologize to somebody. Maybe we need to forgive somebody for whatever it may be. Somebody's hurt us bad and we're wounded and betrayed and everything. And he says, come to me now. Now. Come now and let us reason together. That's the whole point about this. Not in some future type of thing, but right now. Because obviously sometimes we're unwilling to do that. We say someday seems like a better alternative. But the someday has an eerie tendency to never come. Especially when it comes to turning from sin to God. But it all, we all have that, don't we? You know, one of the things I know that uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But how many of us in here sometimes tend to lean toward procrastination? <laughs> I know when y'all laugh like that, I know I know exactly who procrastinates. And that was the whole group, okay? And sometimes that's true. And the way I pick up on it is because I do that sometimes. And God is saying, see, we, we procrastinate and put things off thinking, well, maybe it'll get better. But yet the scriptures say, come now. And let us reason together, obviously. And let us work with this because I want to tell you, there's something, a habit in your life that's called a besetting sin, something that continues to pop up, uh, anger, frustration, worry, uh, any of those things. It could be lust, it could be outward things, whatever, you know. It could be a lot of different things that kind of control us instead of God <laughs> controlling us, so to speak, in that way of surrendering him. And so what do we do? We continue to battle that. So what does God tell us in that situation if, if we're going to deal with that? He says, come now. Now is the day. Don't put it off because tomorrow it's going to be the same way. Until you get right with it and repent from it, it just keeps coming back. I don't know about y'all. It doesn't go away, does it? It's the same. It continues to present itself in a way. So come now, not later here. So we've got to come to God with an open mind, a willingness to hear what he has to say. Okay. Think about it. He says this. He says, let us reason together. Have you ever heard of such a thing like that? 
the God of all creation, who obviously, again, spoke and creation came into being, and that planet formed, they rotate, we rotate the sun exactly right where we don't burn up or freeze it yet. Everything is being controlled. Always remember, God is sovereign. Now, there's an enemy we have that's working also against us and with our flesh, that old nature. But one thing is for sure, God has to allow it to happen. And so he's sovereign. So, but yet God, the God of all creation, obviously one day we'll stand before Jesus when we take our last breath. But the God of all creation is saying, come, let us reason together. Think about it. I mean, why would God want to reason with me? Why wouldn't he just say, Jim, you better get it right. If you, want, if you want anything to happen in your life, you better get it right. No, he says, come, let's reason together. Let's talk about it. Let's just, let's work through this together here. So how does this reasoning, what does this reasoning have to do with repentance? Everything here. Repentance, obviously for a repentance to happen, a person has to come to a different conclusion than he or she once had. And so the reasoning process is very crucial. Huh. Is there something that God's dealing with in your life? And you're looking and saying, okay, uh, I, I'm not sure. But you come to God, and you come now, and then you start reasoning with him and saying, God, what, what's this all about? Anybody ever said that to the Lord? If you say, well, what is this all about? He hears that prayer, and he wants to. He wants to reason with us, to have that interaction with us, because it's about a relationship. If he just sat up there, obviously, and just dictated to us, and, you know, he uh, just he was an unloving God and just said, you better get it right, because, you know, this and that. No, he reasons with his people. And that just, I, I can't mind, mind-boggling to me. Because sometimes I wonder, okay, what about this and what about that? Come, talk, talk to me about it. Come and bring it before me. Come, just come. If you show up, God's going to do something. He's going to do something. And he's always, because he wants us to know that he loves us, and he wants again to bless our lives and put us on the right path. Maybe we stray. Do you think he's up there and saying, man, I, I've strayed for the last time and so forth? No, not at all. He actually wants us. We keep coming, don't we? I don't know about you, but I keep coming all my life. I keep coming. I come, I come in the morning to him, and I come during the day to him. I come at night to him. I come during the midnight hour to him, and I put it late before him. He says, come, because it's an invitation for every believer, every person that wants to come to him. And one day we'll understand this stuff, right? Old-timers say, Jim, will understand it in the by and by, right? But he's saying here, right now, real simply, can we all just come and can we all come in now? Can't we do that? Yes, we can. So he says, come. Very important here. Because if not, we get we get into rationalization thing and go, well, that sin's not quite as bad as the guys down the street. Or what I saw on TV last night and crime is taking place. Mine's not. He said, no, I want to I just completely, completely change you from the inside out. But you got to come. The second thing is, as he talks about, is consider. And that's a part of the reasoning process here. Consider what? Your sin. And verse 18. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. And wool is 
obviously were very pure. And the color red here stands in contrast to the white purity of God's holiness. We sang about God's holiness several couple times here in worship today here. So, are my sins like scarlet? Are my sins red like crimson? Yes. We have a tendency to rationalize and again say, they're not quite as bad as blah, blah, blah. But you see, we're up against a holy God who has provided a way that we can come into his presence because Jesus Christ made a way. See, we were lost in our sins until Jesus came and died for my sins and your sins. We were lost, totally lost. And obviously, we would endure the wrath of God because God is a holy God. And yet God has it all planned out, provides a gift, a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, who will wash our red just sins and wash them white as snow, just clean us up. Before I came to Jesus, my sins were just about as bright red as any could ever get. I don't know about y'all. Yeah. But when I came to Jesus, I know right now I'm washed. I'm cleansed because of him, not me. Not because I preach or I'm a pastor. Because I came and I accepted his free grace, which you cannot earn at all. It's freely given. It's unmerited. And he just provides for us. He gives that. He says, but he says, come. Whatever the issue is. So the question at this point is, is will I stop justifying my own actions? And will I get honest about, let me say this, my own selfishness? My own selfishness. The root of sin is selfishness. It's right there. It's about me, myself, and I. And we're living in a culture about me, myself, and I. But see, I can very easily look at everybody else and say, man, you're living for yourself. And you're not doing this and you're not doing that. See, I can look at other people. And I can point it out to other people. But what God is saying is, you know, you better look at your own life. Let me examine you, okay? And it's not a way to try to just beat us down. He's saying, I want to build you up. But it takes certainly coming and recognizing that we're selfish down deep. I told y'all not too long ago, God showed it in my heart. And it wasn't that I conjured it up. I said, good mess. I'm selfish. I'm selfish. And I think it's something we all have to deal with on a regular basis. That that selfishness about me. It's about me. You know, me, myself, I, and, and what I want, what I need, why they hurt my feelings, and this and that. Why didn't that person speak to me? Or any, whatever it may be. And we can get into that. It's about selfishness to get down to. What about that? He's saying here. Why well, I don't want to mess with and all this here. I believe I'm focusing on the wrong thing that others have done. And that's what happens, isn't it? He says this. He said, obviously, I look at the speck in my brother's eye. And he says, Jim, you need to get the plank out of your eye. Right? But we can look at other people and sort of size them up, up and down, can't we? Huh? That's what we did. Instead of allowing God to examine our heart and say, Lord, get me right. Start with me. Start with this church. Start with us because I'm not responsible. I'm only responsible for myself in that respect, he said. We try to justify our sins here. Well, 
It's just obviously we're blinded to it. And, you know, whatever it may be, that our sin is just as bad as somebody else's. Because of the fact that obviously uh, sin before a holy God is always red, crimson, and so. So how do we remove the plank from our own eye? Obviously, through the process of repentance here. If we get sidetracked and focus on the sins of others, we'll never get the plank out of our own eye. If we deny the presence of that plank, we'll never make much progress here. It's very difficult, obviously, to get really honest before God because that's why we need God's help. He has, you know, when that happens, I'm coming, I need help. And God says, okay, I'll help you. But until we get honest, before, but until we really humble ourselves and say, I need help, God says, okay, continue on. And that's why a lot of times, and you know, the church is here for that, because prayer. Because you see, we all come in. Jesus said, I didn't come for those who are well. I came for the sick. The church is for those who need the help and coming together. I need help. I need your prayers. I need your counsel. I need that relationship with each one of you, see. I'm not a lone ranger out here trying to do it on my own. I need people, and I need God's help, and so do you. And when we recognize that, it changes things because I go, well, you know, what if they won't accept me? What about all these types of things? Because rejection in our lives a lot of times has done some great damage. What if they do this, and what if they do that? Rejection betrayal, all these things that we've experienced in our life. Man, the, the road of life is tough, and we've had bumps and bruises along the way. God said, come to me now, and let's reason. Let's get it right. You want me to heal you. You want me to, to strengthen you. I want to do that more than you ever will understand. So how do we respond when somebody addresses one of our faults? If the response is humble and honest, or is it prideful and defensive? If God tells me my sins are like scarlet, how do I respond to that, right? How do I respond to that? Do I humble myself and say, yes, they are, Lord? You know, I'll tell you right now, the faster you can agree with God when he tells you something, the better off you'll be, all right? The faster you agree, because he's right and you're wrong, okay? <laughs> and it's no matter about it. Lord, get, get me right with that. But see, we're stubborn. People in hospice, and um, I'd go, tell me about your mother, talking to the daughters. And, uh, well, Jim, she was a very, very stubborn lady. I'd go, and if I was going to do the funeral, I'd go, I can't use that word. I'll, I'll say she was very strong-willed. A little bit more palatable, right? Okay. But we're stubborn. We're all stubborn like that, aren't we? I want my way. You know, I want it. Then if it doesn't go my way, what am I going to do? Pout, get sullen, and pull back from you? Suppose you say something to me, and you don't even know that it kind of, somehow maybe it was when I took it the wrong way or whatever it may be, and I can pull back. And what's happened in the church a lot of times, that's happened today. Because different people have said things. Sometimes they've said things and purposely and they should not have. The church has, has worked. I mean, religion has messed the church up, relationship. And it's about that. Loving one another. And yet, obviously, we know 
that those things have happened. And so how do I respond? Somebody says something. I say, Lord, you know, are you trying to tell me something? And because what is our reaction is, it must be this person right here. It couldn't be me. It couldn't be the truth about me. And God is saying, I'm trying to get your attention. That's what repentance does here. You know, the fourth step in an AA, 12-step recovery program, is to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So, you know, uh, my observation is that this is the do-or-die step in the program. It requires a person to be specific about each sin. Specific. Name it. Get it out. Get it out in the open. When it's in the light, obviously it doesn't have the power of you. If we keep it in the dark. That's why it says confess your sins one to another. That you may be forgiven. The Bible's real clear about that. And you think if you say something like that to somebody, that you're going to be rejected and so forth. Better not be. God didn't reject us. We got honest. We're here to help the brokenhearted and those who have stumbled and fall, fell and to pick them up, to pray for them, to get, pray for strength, pray for God to touch their lives, you see. Hosea said to Israel, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord. Break up your unplowed ground, he said. Obviously, it's a plow a process of plowing the hard ground of the heart. They needed to go through a process of repentance. They needed to, uh, it to happen in preparation for the rain that would follow. You see, I've said this and I believe it. Repentance precedes revival. Unity that we've seen here recently is preceding revival. Okay. But it takes interaction with God. You're here because of that. Isn't that encouraging? You're here because... You're having interaction with God right now. And you're sitting there. And you're asking the Lord, Lord, is there something on my heart? Jim's talking this stuff. I, I believe he's, he's reading from the Bible. Is there something that, you know, you want me to deal with and all? If it is, come now and deal with it and go with it. But we've got to have that interaction with God. I, I'll leave you with this too. I won't belabor because we'll go with next week a little bit more. But I read a story about a pastor who I respect, well-known throughout the United States. I won't call, him, call his name. But he went on a sabbatical because he wanted to take the time to get just sit before the Lord and say, Lord, is there something on my heart that's not right? And is, would you show me? I, I want to get right. Maybe he felt like something was going on. And he said, you know, I didn't have... Uh, I, I, I obviously was able to be successful about resisting those temptations out there that are blatant like that. But he said this. He said, is there anything on my heart? And he was 64 years old, okay? So he didn't have, he'd been walking with the Lord for many, many years here. And so obviously the Holy Spirit showed him a cluster of selfishness, anger, self-pity, quickness to blame, and sullenness which is kind of like sulking, okay? If you're hurt, somebody hurts you, says something wrong to you. You know what I mean? The Bible says, obviously, to bless those who curse you. Whoa, okay, Lord, okay. So he was shown those things in his life here. That quickness to blame, that sulkiness here, obviously. And so he obviously went before the Lord. And he said, I will resist that when that comes back. 
because guaranteed that will come back. And so what happened was, the story is, is that he went in and after he came back again from the, the sabbatical and God was working on those issues because he, he was angry about if he didn't get his way as a pastor, okay? Knew the word, walked with the Lord many, many years. And so uh, his daughter came in the room and said, uh, Mom, can, uh, can we go upstairs, you and I, and watch this particular, I don't know whether it's a movie or, or something that she wanted to watch on the video with she and her mother. Didn't invite her father. Normally he would sort of sulk, like I was not invited to that. He didn't get the invitation like that. But he recognized it when it started in on him. And he said, nope, I'm not going that way. I will not sulk. I will not go that way because God is working on an area of my life that has been predominant there in my life, all my life. And I want him to change it. And so in that process of repentance, he obviously got and said, Lord, right now, I deal with it. And God deals, deals with it. That's the way it is with all of us. If anger right now is, is there and it comes out, it's coming out against somebody, anger, deal with it. Repent. Anger is not of the Lord. All those things we know biblically, not that God says, obviously somebody didn't hurt you, and not that somehow something happened in your life that, you know, even when you go back in your childhood, that certainly was there, and, and people should not have done what they did. Anger will eat you alive. Y'all know that. And until we repent, until we turn to the Lord and say, Lord, deal with it, whatever it is, then it continues to eat and gnaw. No, and we're going, I'm just not happy at all. I don't have any joy. I don't have any strength in my life. And God is saying, come now is the day. Now is the day, and let us reason together. Uh, remember the church at Laodicea? They said, uh, it's in the book of Revelation. Jesus is examining the church, and he said this. He said, you're, you're doing a lot of good things, and I commend you for it. But he said this. He said, you think that obviously you're rich and wealthy and and all this stuff, and you don't need anything. And yet, you're poor, you're wretched, you're blind, and you're naked. When we say, I don't need any help, and I don't need anybody, you isolate yourself. And you know what? I am an introvert, and y'all know that. <laughs> I'm an introvert. It takes all the energy to get up here in front of you and share, okay? But I know one thing. I know my help comes from the Lord and it also comes from relationships. Amen. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. That's what he says today. The church there in Revelation, the church at Ephesus, he said, you've done a lot of good things. But I've got one thing against you, and you lost your, you left your first love. And our first love is Jesus. So in closing today, I want to just ask you, have you walked away from your first love? 
Do you still have the same passion and love for Jesus that you did when you first came? If you need salvation today, speaking to everybody, come now. Because now is the day of salvation. Now is the day you come. And God right now knocking on your heart's door and you're going, no, no, let's, let's come on. He reasons with us, yes. But he says, come now. He said, well, and let us reason together. He said, when you come now and then start reasoning about it. He said, I'll reason with you and I'll show you. I'll work with you. And see, the only way you can come is because the Spirit's drawing you. So something's happening in your life. If right now God's speaking to you or speaking to me, God is doing this. It's not me. It's his spirit that does this. Come now. Let us reason together. Talk about it with me. Bring it before me. Don't rationalize it off. But come. God will see you through. And he'll, I'll tell you. You know, when Jesus said, I come that you have life and give it to, to you more abundantly. Abundant life. He wants everybody to walk in that abundant life. He doesn't want that. I'm not saying your circumstances will change. Because, you know, and I don't minimize hard circumstances. He just says, in spite of that, if you'll come and you'll release it and, and say, Lord, get it right in my heart. Begin with me. Begin with this preacher. He'll do it. He'll take you right where you are because that's the good thing about God Almighty. No matter where you are in life and no matter what age you are, he says, come as you are. Just like that song. Now's the time to worship. Now's the time. And he'll deal with it. Repentance is a process that takes place. And I believe that God is doing that throughout my life and your life. In fact, I know He's doing it in my life. And so if you need prayer in any way after the service, just come. Just come. There's no judgment. I've told you. Y'all know that. There's no looking down on going, well, you're still doing blah, blah, uh, uh. We all come together and we all need help. Don't walk away. Come now. And now. And let us reason together. Okay? All right. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And thank you today that you're doing great things. And Lord, sometimes it hurts. But Lord, we know that once we work through that pain, that Lord, on the other side is a blessing. And so Lord, we come right now. I come right now individually, right here as an individual not as a pastor, just as a child of God. And I'm asking you, Lord, today that you would deal with anything in my life that's not like Jesus. Now, I know that he is molding me and making me. He's molding you and making you. So, Father, today we ask you in that process, help us to be cooperative. And, Father, we will give you all the praise, all the glory. Because you are good. And you're good all the time. And we pray today, if there be somebody here in the sanctuary or watching this uh, through the particular technology we have that's never accepted Jesus Christ in their life, they're not sure, today would be the day. Just come. Cry out. Just say, God, I want to know you. I want to know your salvation. I want to know that you are God of my life, Lord of my life. I don't know how to do it all, but I'm coming. And here I am. I ask you to save me. Be my Lord, my Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today would be the day you do that. And I pray today, Father, a blessing over this whole congregation. Thank you, Father, today. We had a little trouble starting, Lord, but we, 
we know that it's okay. It's okay. And I bless each and every one of you in the name of Jesus. Bless you that God would prosper you, bless your life, would continue to pour his spirit out on you, and that God would truly have his way in your life. And thank you, Father, again for your presence in this place today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for watching. Hope to see you next week. We'll finish up this series on repentance. Uh, I pray that just a little bit of come, just come now and ask him. God is good. You may, he'll meet you where you are, and that's our God, and he loves you. I pray his blessings on your life in this coming week. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Make sense? Come. Make sense, I tell you. Boy, I'm real simple. Simple-minded man. <laughs> Come now, Lord. Here I am. You know, I have, I told y'all, in my study at the, one of the other houses we had, and it was a little picture of a tiger cub, and he's crawling up over the fence, looking, you know, they're real cute like that when they're that size, and the caption below says, it's me again, Lord. <laughs> it's me again, Lord. Amen. Amen. All hearts clear. Remember, pray about the situation of uh, going over to uh, Calvary, um, I mean to yeah, Mount, Mount Carmel. Also, uh, the Sunday school next week. Come on in. We'd love to have you. We'll get some coffee and, you know, be brewed just right and donuts and all that stuff. And then also, um, again, these that are sick, Ukraine, the issue. Also, Don's ministry here. Glad you're here, Joanne. Father, we bless you and praise you. Thank you for these that are here. Bless us. Use us for your glory and your honor in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine, shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.